My message this morning is simple. Love one another. I say it again. Love one another. Love one another. That is a message that Juan Carlos Ortiz, anyone ever read his stuff, Juan Carlos Ortiz? He was a pastor. He's still alive. I think he's got to be in his 80s now. Uh, He led a church down in Buenos Aires, Argentina. He's a famous author. He wrote the book called Disciple. He also wrote a book that I have that I really love. It's called Walking with Jesus Today, or Living with Jesus Today. But, but this is a story um, from, his, from, from his journey with his church. So, so at one point, here's what happened. He realized that the people of his church were educated beyond their experience. They knew more than what they were doing. They, they knew a lot more than what they were putting into practice. Matter of fact, as he, as he thought about his church that, that he was shepherding, he realized that many of them were getting two to three messages a week. And then they were going to Bible studies in homes, and they were learning so much. And before they had time to even apply one truth or principle or message, they were getting another one. So he decided it was time for a change. So one Sunday, he stood up to preach. He opened his Bible, and he read those words that I just shared, love one another. Then he sat down. And I don't know if His experience was like ours, but people are like, can I leave now? Like, what do I, you know? And then he got back up and he said, love one another. And then he sat back down. And then he got back up a third time and he said, love one another. And he sat back down. And as the story goes, a man in the front row leaned over to his neighbor and said, I think the pastor wants us to love one another. And so uh, he, he asked his neighbor, is there anything that I could do for you? And his neighbor began to share really honestly and openly that, that he was having some financial difficulty. So the first person opened up his wallet and gave that person some money. And pretty soon, all across the auditorium, uh, people were talking and laughing and praying and crying and giving. They were loving one another. And for the next six months, the story goes, that was Pastor Ortiz's message to his congregation. Every week for six months, love one another. Sometimes he would look at biblical passages that it reinforced that simple message of love one another. And other times they just got together and practiced loving one another. For six months, for six months, love one another until they not only knew it, but they were doing it. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? That's really profound. Because the truth is, our discipleship isn't defined really ultimately by how much we know, how much scripture we have memorized. It's by how we live. 
and it's by what we do. So with that in mind, I want to bring us to that, that passage that Pastor Ortiz quoted from. It's in John 13. This is Jesus talking to his disciples in the upper room before he was arrested and crucified. He said these words to his disciples. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, I don't think it can get any simpler than that. That's pretty straightforward. That's crystal clear. I pray that in the time that we have left this morning, but more so in the time that we take with us out of here, that we not just know this scripture, but we really know it and live it with our lives. So Holy Spirit, whatever you need to do to plant this deep within us so that it takes root and it becomes the fruit of our lives, do it. We're listening. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. If you've been hanging out at Victory Point for the last couple weeks, you know that we've begun a new series in January called Co-Mission, the adventure, the adventure of living on mission together. And uh, if if you're new to Victory Point, this is a great series for you to be around uh, during this month and into the next month because what you're going to get a snapshot of is what's important to us, of who we're trying to be as a church, our vision, our mission, our values. And if you are a Victory Point you know, homebody, like if this is your place, this is my people, this is my church family, it's good for us to be reminded of these things. So um, over the last couple weeks, we've looked at our vision and our mission as a church. What is our vision? Our vision is to bring, to bear, to incarnate, to reveal the kingdom of God in our family, in our community, and in the world. That is our vision as a people. What is our mission? Our mission is simply like, how are we going to accomplish the vision? What's our strategy for bringing the kingdom? Well, it's through the very one thing that Jesus told us to do. It's through discipleship. So our mission is to make and multiply disciples who give everything, who give their whole life to being like Jesus and doing what he did. That's our vision and our mission. And this morning and in the weeks to come, we want to um, remind ourselves of the values like here's, here's how we accomplish, here's the posture in which we accomplish our vision and our mission. And this morning I want to share with you our first value. And this is one of our core values at Victory Point. And it's simply this, loving God by loving people. Loving God by loving people. We love God best by loving all people with the same grace and acceptance that he has shown to us. And in just like our, our vision and our mission, we didn't make that up, okay? We, we didn't like invent this like as a new idea. We just take all this from Jesus. We just look at Jesus's life and we take it from, from him. We get our vision from Jesus. We get our mission from Jesus. We, we get our values from Jesus. Jesus says this is what we're supposed to do. Remember this in Matthew twenty two thirty six through 40? There's this moment in Jesus's earthly ministry when, you know, he, he had just sort of uh, had an exchange with the Sadducees about the resurrection. And, uh, you know, the, he, he sort of um, outfoxed them, you know, in, in their, their questioning. 
So then some teachers of the law who had just witnessed this, you know, probably some Pharisees and stuff, they're going to take their turn now at trying to um, tra- trap or trick Jesus. So they, they send, you know, one of their people up to Jesus, and, they, and he says this, Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, here it is. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first in the greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? So, so last week we were looking at what we call the great commission or the, the great co-mission. This week we're, we're looking at the great commandment. We're looking at great things these last couple of weeks. Today is what we call the great commandment. And Jesus, after he said these words to this teacher of the law, he said, you know what? The entire law and all the prophets are based on these two commandments. Everything else that is considered a commandment in Scripture is summed up in this, which is really cool. And regardless of this teachers of the law, you know, his motive to try to trap Jesus, regardless of his motive, he asked Jesus a really, really good question. What's the most important thing I can give my life to? What's the most important thing I can orient my life around? Because the truth is, um, there were a lot of laws. There were a lot of laws. If you take all the laws of the Old Testament, and um, especially the Torah, and, and you were to add them all up, um, they, you know, experts say there was probably three, or 613 laws. 613 laws that everyone's trying to follow in life. And there was actually, it's, it's kind of interesting, there was 365 negative laws, you know, that the don't do this, don't do that. 365, almost like there's one for every day of the year. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And then um, there was also 248 positive laws. Do this, do that. 248, you know, is connected up with that's how many bones there are in the human body, 248. So isn't it interesting, like, how these Old Testament things, like, kind of get connected, like there's a, there's a negative law for every day of the year, there's a positive law for every bone in your body. I mean, it's just like my, my whole life and, and body, you know, is, is revolving around, you know, keeping the law. And, and it was very important, and it was overwhelming. It was impossible. And so you can appreciate um, this guy's question, like, like, what's the most important one? Just give me one. Just give me one that I can follow, okay? And Jesus says, you bet, I'll give you one. Love God with all you have and love people the way you want to be loved. That, that's the great commandment. And that gets summarized in other places in Scripture too. The Apostle Paul, he, he's writing a letter to the church in Galatia. And this is what he says. For you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, Use your freedom to serve one another in love. Then he says this. He, he also rings, you know, and echoes Jesus' words. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Or Paul later, in a, in a different letter, when he wrote to the Corinthian church. Um, 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going I'm to read a little bit of that and then put up one verse. You know, this is... Uh, this is Paul talking about love, and often this gets used, you know, at weddings, right? 1 Corinthians 13, but this really isn't a, a wedding passage. 
This is a church passage. This is Paul writing a letter to a church, wanting to remind them about what's most important and, and what love really is. So remember this? He, he says this. In, in one, I'm reading from 1 Corinthians 13, beginning in verse 1. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of the angels even, but I didn't love others, I would just be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and I possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. And then he goes on to say some more, and then he concludes with this. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. It's love. Love is the one thing that trumps everything. We, we have to get this right. We, we got to get this right as followers of Jesus Christ. Loving God and loving people is the greatest thing that we could do with our lives. It's the most excellent way and the greatest thing that we can orient our lives around and invest all of who we are into. Loving God and loving others. The great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus tells us, tells his disciples then and his disciples today gathered in this place, the greatest thing we can do with our lives is to love God with everything that we have and everything that we are. Do you love God? I mean, do you really love God? I was reading, you know, Francis Chan's book this week, Crazy Love. Anyone ever read that? Crazy Love by Francis Chan. Um, and, and in that book, he, in one of the chapters, he quotes John Piper from a book that he wrote. And it was really, really convicting. It says this. I mean, ponder this question. It's a really long question. It says, the critical question of our generation, and, and really for every generation, is this. Listen to this. If you could have heaven with no sickness and all of your friends that you ever had on earth and all the food that you ever liked and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed and all the natural beauties you ever saw and all the physical pleasures you've ever tasted and no human conflict or any natural disaster, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ wasn't there? Wow. I want to say no way, but that's a really good list. And if I'm really honest, there's a part of me that I think sometimes might be satisfied with that. 
which begs the question, you know, am I in love with my Savior? Am I in love with Jesus? Am I in love with just what he does for me or him? Am I in love with the gifts or the giver of the gifts? What is it that I love? What's my love for God look like? What's your love for God look like? I mean, Jesus says the greatest thing we could do is love him and love people. How's your love for God going? How are you developing that? How are you investing in that? Are you investing in that? I was reading my daughter JC's blog yesterday. You know, she's, she's down in Guatemala, just loving on people, serving through adventures and missions. And uh, she writes a blog, you know, every week or two. And um, she yesterday was writing about the things that God continues to teach her and show her and reveal to her. And there was one line that just kind of grabbed me. She said this, she said, and the only way you can have a relationship with someone is if you spend time with them. Which really got me thinking like, am I spending time with Jesus? Am I spending time with God often and regularly? Am I in the word? Am I speaking to him through prayer? Am I listening to him? As I daily go about my everyday life, am I in communion with him? Am I conscious of him? Am I thinking about him? Am I growing my love for him? I think we need to ponder that if we're going to take this commandment seriously. But I think where I want to go the rest of the time, I think one of the best indicators of our love for God is our love for others. I think that's where our love for God is, it really hits the pavement and it really is revealed in how we love others. I think that's why Jesus connects these two things together. I don't think that's random. I don't think that's, you know, anything but intentional. I believe that's why he says loving your neighbor is equally important to loving God. It, it, it's why we say in that value statement that I showed you earlier that we love God best by loving others in the same way that God loves us. So I want to go back to that verse um, that Juan Ortiz you know, read to his church and that I started with. I want to go back to this, this verse that, that Jesus shared, this statement that he shared and gave to his disciples in John 13. Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. Which is interesting, right, when you think about it. I mean, just a side note here. I don't have this in my notes, but like, why is this a new command? Was this not the norm? Like, was this not what people were doing? Jesus is doing a new thing here. And he says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Jesus said this, like I said, to his disciples when they were gathered in the upper room right before Jesus was arrested, beaten, and crucified, and then raised from the dead. So he's gathered with his disciples in the upper room. And he says this to to these 12 guys. Love one another. Love one another the way that I have loved you. Well, ponder that a second. How has Jesus loved his disciples? Well, if you back up into the beginning of John 13, um, it kind of sets the scene in, in context for this moment. It says this, John says this, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Then there's this little phrase, this little sentence that John says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. And in the Greek, that that can sometimes be translated, he loved them to the full. Or he showed the full extent of his love. 
And what follows that statement is Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Remember that, that scene? Remember that story, that, that moment? It's on the last night of his life. Jesus has his followers together. They're having a final meal. And the disciples start arguing, right? They start arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And, and usually, you know, in a, in a gathering like that, there would be a servant who, as, as people arrived, would wash everyone's feet. That was the role of the, the least of them, of the servant. But on this night, there was no servant. It was just Jesus and his disciples. So I don't know, maybe part of what they're arguing about of who would be the greatest is they're trying to figure out who gets out of washing feet, you know. But, and as they're arguing, it's like there's this moment where Jesus just kind of quietly um, grabs a basin with water and he grabs a towel and he starts kneeling at one of his disciples' feet. He starts to wash his feet. Then he moves to the next disciple and washes his feet. Then he washes, you know, the next disciple's feet. And you can imagine how things just kind of got quiet. That the arguing sort of goes away. And they sort of look at Jesus almost maybe with an embarrassed look. And when he was done, Jesus said this in John 13. This is 13 through 15. He says, you call me teacher and you call me Lord. And rightly so, that, that's who I am. Now that I, your teacher and your Lord, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set for you an example, he says. I've set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So so how did Jesus demonstrate love for his disciples? By humbly serving them. By serving them. And we're to do the same to each other. We're to show our love by humbly serving one another. We, we, We go back to that question at the beginning in Juan Ortiz's story, like, Is there anything I can do for you? We ask questions like that of each other. How can I walk with you? How can I help you? And when we do that, we love one another as Jesus has loved us. And then later that evening, Jesus says this. This is recorded in John 15, 12 through 13. He says, I mean, I think Jesus is trying to make a point in this discourse with his disciples because he keeps repeating the same thing. He says, this is my command. This is my commandment. Love each other. Love each other. Love each other in the way that I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. There's that command again. It keeps showing up. Love one another as I have loved you. Jesus said there's no greater love than to give your life for someone else. I mean, if you want a definition of love, I think this is a good working definition of love. You can write this down if you want. Love is doing what is best for another no matter what it costs. It's doing what's best for another no matter what the cost, no matter what the sacrifice. That's Jesus' example. I mean, think of those verses that some of us have memorized in our discipleship in our past. You know, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave wholly, completely. He, he gave his only son. Think of Romans, I think of Romans 5, 8, right? God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He he gave his life for us. We love God best by loving others the same way God loves us. And how did God love us? He gave everything. He demonstrated his love for us by giving his life for us, which begs the question, if we're going to love one another, What are we doing to give our lives away? What are we doing to to give our lives away for others? For most of us, it probably won't be 
in a, a single heroic act like Jesus did on the cross. But that doesn't mean we're not to give our lives away to the benefit of others. Think about it this way. Think about, let's say, um, you have like $1,000, okay? I don't, but let's say you have like $1,000 and you want to give that away to somebody, okay? And, and you, you're, you're excited to, to give that all away at one time. But what if God were to send you to the bank and to cash in your $1,000 into quarters and then to, to give it away one quarter at a time? I mean, I, I just think that's a picture possibly of what it could look like to give our lives away every day, one quarter at a time. It's simple things. It's little things. It's when you stop to listen, when you'd rather talk. You're giving your life away for the benefit of others. It's when, you know, you let someone else kind of have their way when you really want to have it your way. You're giving your love away kind of one quarter at a time. When you concede an argument, even though you know you're right and they're wrong, but you value the relationship more than being right, that's, that's giving your life away in love of others. It's, uh, it, it's, it's when you do the dishes when you'd rather watch the football game. You're giving your life away. When, when, when you're kind to someone, even though that person's kind of been a jerk today, you, you're, you're giving your life away. You're, you're, you're giving your love away one quarter at a time. I've been trying to figure out, you know, what is this? I mean, there's opportunities every day, all day to do this. But one of the things that, that I've been doing just to try to, I've been trying to be more intentional, intentional, intentional. There we go. It's not a bull. I've been trying to be more intentional about, like, how do I demonstrate love to people, especially those outside of this family? Like, I love loving you, and I try to do my very best with that. But, but where do I interact with people who aren't church people? You know, where do I go to interact with people who aren't maybe Christians even, so, so I can show and tell them the love of Jesus? So one of the things I've been doing, it's, it's kind of like a hobby now, is uh, I've become a Lyft driver. You know how there's Uber, Uber drivers, and then there's Lyft? So I'm a Lyft driver. If you ever need a ride to the airport, you give me a call, man. I'll, I'll help you out. You've got to pay me, though. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm a Lyft driver. I'm not, ma- I'm not doing it for the money. I'm not making any money. I do it like a few hours some Fridays. I've decided, like, man, you got to do this all the time if you want to make any money doing this. But um, I've, I've, over the course of the last three months, I've given, like, 50 rides to people. Usually it's in Grand Rapids. I've had so much fun talking to people. You know, I'm still working up the courage to, to pray with people. I mean, so take heart in that. Even your pastor, like, sometimes is, is scared to bring up Jesus and to pray. But I'm getting there. But, but I'm, I'm having so much fun just giving away love one quarter at a time and blessing people and entering into their conversations. And, um, man, I, you know, I, I even had it like uh, last, I don't know what it was, last Sunday. Like I was in Grand Rapids in, in the evening and I was giving rides and there was like uh, all these like lights and sirens. There's a shooting at, at, I think, Kalamazoo and 44th Street. And I, so I pull into a McDonald's right by there just because I have to use the bathroom. So I'm going to go buy some coffee and I'm going to use the bathroom. And I, it's locked because everything's on shutdown, apparently, you know, lockdown. And uh, so I didn't know what was going on. But I see these sirens over here. And then I see these four young boys, like middle school age, come from the back of the parking lot. One has a basketball, one has a bike. And um, you could tell they'd just been playing basketball. And, and they, two of them shared they need to go way over there past all this. 
and they're kind of scared, and they're kind of nervous. Plus, they were supposed to be home before dark, and it's dark now. And um, so I just like, hey, man, like, I can give you a ride. I know you're not supposed to ride with strangers, you know, but I'm a pastor. I could show you the picture, like, of, of the website, you know. And uh, so when you're a pastor stranger, it's a little different than a stranger stranger. And um, so I, I was able to give two of them a ride past all this, you know, to, to their destination. And was able to talk to them about, you know, God and uh, just kind of in, in, a, in a small way, but, but just encouraging them. And uh, it, it's my way of like, where do I, what does it look like for me to love one another? Not just inside the church and outside the church. And it's been a lot of fun. Um, but what does it look like? What does it look like for you to love one another as Jesus loved us? It, it means, you know, doing what's best for one another no matter what it costs to us. It means we humbly serve one another. We give our lives away to each other. And then the, one of the cool results is, um, is back to this. When we do this, Jesus says, when we, when we get good at loving one another, inside the family and outside the family, everybody, everywhere, you know what that does? That becomes a witness to the world of the love of God. Because it says, and then everyone will know that you're my disciples. We take discipleship very seriously here at Victory Point. We're all about becoming disciples of Jesus and making more and better disciples of Jesus who give their lives to being like Jesus and doing what he did. If we take that seriously, then the world should see in us the love of God. It it should just be a natural reaction. The mark of a Christian is our love for one another. It's our most powerful witness. If we don't love one another, Jesus says it's safe to assume that you're, you're not Christians. I know, like, we got this thing going on right now, like, in our country, you know, this partial shutdown thing. And I know it kind of um, revolves around, you know, uh, a wall. And uh, that, that's gotten me thinking lately. It's gotten me thinking about, like, like a couple years ago when, when this whole thing became an idea. I don't know if you remember. I don't know why I remember this, but I just remember this, this moment in time when uh, Pope Francis made a comment and it went public, and it created a stir a little bit. But uh, I, I, I'm, I'm remembering it lately. It, it was like a couple years ago, I think it was like maybe 2016, um, you know, Donald Trump had uh, made this declaration about he wanted to build a wall, and Pope Francis was down in Mexico, and uh, he was visiting people. And so, you know how reporters are. Like, they, they wanted to get his opinion on what he thought, about this wall. And I'm not being political. I'm not making a political statement. I'm trying to just make a Jesus observation. Okay? Like, so Pope Francis gets quoted. Do you remember this quote? It was in the news. It says, he says this. This is how he responded. He said, I, I think a person who thinks only about building walls, wherever that may be, whatever kind of walls, and not building bridges, is not a Christian, because that's not the gospel. And Whatever we think about whatever's going on, I just want to appreciate what Pope Francis is saying, that Jesus takes seriously the kind of impression we leave on people in this world. People are watching us. People are listening to us. And they're making judgments about Jesus. And they're making judgments about the kind of love that God the Father has for everyone. And I'm just saying, regardless of what you know, people outside here think, we need to take that seriously. Our lives are a living witness and testimony and picture of the love of God to a world that desperately needs the love of God. The, the, 
Love is the mark of what it means to be a Christian. It is. That's the mark of what it means to be a Christian. Jesus said, the world will know if you're Christians or not by the way that we love each other. And by our love for each other, they will make decisions on if the gospel is true or not and what it's all about. So my, my prayer, my hope, what I want to give my life to is I want, at least when it comes to this church, when it comes to Victory Point, that if we're, the, the, the one thing that we are known for, that I want us to be known for in our families, community, and world, is we love each other well. And we love those outside this place well. If we are not, I, I, I don't care about anything else. It, it doesn't matter to me if, if we have amazing messages. I know we don't. It doesn't matter to me if we have like amazing worship or, you know, a full service. None of that matters. Like remember what Paul said, if we have all that, but we don't love others, it's just clanging noise. It's just activity. It's just programs. It's just stuff. If we don't love others well, the way that Jesus sacrificially loved us, none of it matters. May we be known in the community as a church that loves one another the way that Jesus loved. Write this down, 1 John 4, 7 through 12. 1 John 4, 7 through 12. I'll close with these verses. This is John, now later in his life, writing in a, a letter, an epistle. We, we call it 1 John same John, though, now he's writing this. This is what he, listen, to, the theme is the same. It says, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, and and, and hear this, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. When we love one another the way that God loves us, we, sh- we make an invisible God visible to the world. No one has ever seen God, but when they see followers of God loving God and loving each other and loving others the way that God loves them, all of a sudden, an invisible God has been made visible to everyone. That's our, that's our mandate. The incarnation of Jesus made the invisible God visible to the people of his day. Now the church of God makes the invisible God visible to the world of our day. We need to take this seriously. Love one another. I'm going to invite the band up. And as they come up, I'm going to share a story that has always been a favorite story of mine. You guys ever heard of Tony Campolo? Like he, he's a Christian author, activist, pastor, teacher, professor. Um, he's done a lot of amazing work in the inner city of Philadelphia. But in one of his books, he tells this story that gets repeated a lot, maybe in Christian circles, but... Perhaps you haven't heard it, and if you have, it's still good. But he, he tells this story of how one time he traveled to Honolulu, 
and, uh, and, and he was, you know, just arriving, and his body clock was still on Eastern time zone, but now he's in Honolulu, Hawaii. And so he woke up like at three in the morning, and he couldn't fall back to sleep. So he wanders around the town, and he finds this little greasy spoon cafe, and he goes in and he orders a coffee and a donut. And he says that about that time, eight or nine prostitutes came walking into the diner, and they started talking. And he overheard, what, he overheard one of them saying, her name was Angus, that her birthday was the next day. And that she had never had a birthday party. So eventually this group left and Tony called the owner over and said, and he asked if if, if that group of women came in there every night. And he said, yes. So Tony Campolo says to this cafe owner, like, what do you say we throw a birthday party for Agnes tomorrow night? So the next morning, Tony showed up at 2.30 in the morning and he had balloons and streamers and he decorated the cafe. He had a big sign that said, Happy Birthday, Agnes. And the owner got word out on the street and the diner was, as Tony says in his story, wall-to-wall prostitutes. I mean, it was like Tony and like everybody else. So at 3.30, it's a great story. At 3.30, Agnes walks in with her group of friends and everybody yells happy birthday and surprise to Agnes and she is completely overwhelmed. And the owner cries out, Agnes, cut the cake. And Agnes says, I've never had a birthday cake. So let me take this. I want to go show it to my mom before we cut the cake who must have lived nearby. So she left the diner with the birthday cake. And when Agnes walked out, Tony said the place was dead silent. And he didn't know what to do. So he just said, uh, let's pray. And and so he prayed. And he prayed that God would deliver Agnes and make her new again and give her a second chance. And when he finished, the owner of the diner leaned over and said, I didn't know you were a preacher. What kind of church do you preach at? And Tony said it was one of those moments when the Holy Spirit just kind of gives you the exact words to say because you have no idea how to respond. And he said, I preach in a church that throws parties for prostitutes at 3 a.m. And the owner said, no, you don't. I would join a church like that. Let's be that church. Let's be that church that shows the world, that, that knows that we are disciples of Jesus because of the love we have for everybody that we encounter everywhere. Let's pray. Lord, a simple but heavy message, one that I got to look in the mirror and reflect on and take seriously. It's easy to talk about the love of God. It's another thing to extend and embody the love of God. I can't love other people the way you love me without your help. Neither can any of us. So Holy Spirit, help us love everyone the way that you have loved us. Help us to demonstrate and to declare to everyone that we are disciples of Jesus Christ because of the way we love one another first and love everyone else that we encounter outside of this place. Thank you that it's your love for us that compels us. It's your love for us that fuels us. It's your love for us that is the pattern for how I love others. And thank you that when it comes to your love, your love never fails, your love never gives up, and your love never runs out. 
May we show that to everyone we encounter today, tomorrow, the next day. May it be so with your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing this song one more time.